Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. And God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. Seven, eight years ago, I came to this inconvenient conclusion that I didn't love the Bible. And that's kind of tough when you're like a full-time minister and evangelist whose job is to preach the Bible. And it was just like, man, I know the Bible. I can quote the Bible. I've been in the Bible my whole life. But man, if I have to choose what I'm going to do for encouragement or something at a free moment, the Bible is not the first thing I go to. Okay, that's not an admission one might expect at the start of this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. That admission is from Nick Hall of the Pulse Movement. And actually, I've heard similar admissions from other ministers. So how can we not just help people gain a knowledge about the Bible, but a love for God's Word and a love for God fostered by His Word? That's the topic today. Gabe, we look forward to your conversation with your friend Nick Hall. Now tell us about Nick. He's the visionary of Together. He's the author of the book Reset, and he's the founder and chief communicator for Pulse Movement. But but the way I talk with Nick, I mean, he's an evangelist, and you don't get to meet a lot of people these days who say, hey, what do you do? And he's like, I'm an evangelist. That's what I do. That's what I'm called to do. And so we're going to get into a lot of the work that he does, some things that he's been launching lately that are just going right to the heart of this generation and helping bring them along to spiritual maturity and to understanding who Jesus is. So let's listen in now. Well, Nick, welcome to the Q Podcast. I'm so glad we're going to get a chance to hang out here and talk a little more about your world and some of what you're seeing in the culture at this point. Yeah, Gabe, great to be on. Well, you know, you were with us at our most recent virtual summit, and I just remember one of the things that you, one of the quotes that just stood out in my mind from those couple of days when we were talking about what was happening with the pandemic and quarantine and just just where people are at mentally you said this, you said, this is the greatest evangelistic opportunity in our lifetime. And I want you to just expound on that. Why is that? We live in an age where it's so easy for people to put their trust in everything around them, whether it's our money and our material possessions, or whether it's our plans and all the activity we have going on, or it's our health and safety. And so these are the comforts, if you will. And I just think like we're living in an age right now where it's just disruption everywhere. And so I just think when these times happen in history, and uniquely, this time is happening for the whole world at the same time. There's never been a pandemic where the whole world has been digitally connected. You know, we've had these like isolated events in corners of the world that spread, but there's no like connectivity between them, where now we are all seeing at the same time what's happening in Wuhan or what's happening in South America, Central America. And, and I just think there's this longing for things at this moment that only God can answer. And so I just have found people are so open. They're asking the right questions, all of the things that they place their identity in that are never going to satisfy have been shaken. And we're just seeing an incredible response to the gospel, incredible conversations around the gospel, even in the conversation around justice. I just think all of this, it's just a disruption of the norm that 
has to point us to something that's true and good and eternal. And that is the gospel. Yeah, Nick, you've focused so much on the next generation. I mean, so much of your evangelism, you don't hear of many people these days who call themselves an evangelist, right? That's That seems like something in previous generations, there were a few. When I think about our generation and the younger generations, you're one of those that just stands out, that this is your calling. You care so much about a younger generation understanding truth, getting into relationship with Jesus, and really putting away all of the ways of this world. And I'm wondering, too, if when you see this moment and how it's happened and the timing of it, as you think about a new generation that in some ways is a, is it seems a bit lost in terms of who do they trust, what is true, how do I figure it out? It's, it's like there are bigger questions being asked of this generation than our generation asked, my generation or older, was asking about. And are, are you seeing that kind of an opportunity here? Like this is a pivotal moment. Yeah, I really do think this is a pivotal moment. I think people are asking the deeper questions. I think we've seen the bankruptcy of culture, of even religious institutions. You know, you see the, you know, moral failings of pastors or priests. And it's just like, man, I think people are longing for this divine encounter. You know, I've even seen recent statistics that Wiccans have uh, doubled in the last few years. And just, I just think there's like this spiritual pursuit, this longing for more, these questions and this, this, I mean, I, I want this kind of like, you know, larger than life, like something of meaning of purpose. And so many call this like a cause generation and, you know, just want to be a part of more than just the bottom line. And, and I do think like evangelism and the evangelist is really important in this age. And so you even saying that, like of me being, you know, one of the only evangelists maybe that, that you know, and like, and I'm probably one of the only evangelists I know. And and this is what I do, right? I, I just feel like it, it's not that God has stopped calling evangelists. It's that the church has stopped recognizing this as a calling. And I think that there maybe has never been a time where we need this voice. And it's not a celebrity voice. It's not a televangelist voice, but it is the voice in the room that is beating on the table and saying, there are people around us who are hurting and dying. This isn't all about us. We have a message to share and people were created for this message. Yeah. I think some people are intimidated to do evangelism. You know, the average Christian just is not sure what to say, how to bring it up. They don't feel equipped. They don't feel like they know how to give an answer for every single question that might come their way. What I love about people who are called to evangelism is they see it all so simply. It's like, it's not that complicated. I think of Billy Graham and his his very simple message and how the spirit would work through that to convict the heart. What is your perspective on that? Have you seen that same type of thing? Like there's a simplicity to the gospel if we just dare proclaim it? Yeah, I, I just, there is no magic uh, presentation of the gospel. It is Christ crucified, dying uh, for the sins of humanity to make us right with a holy God. It, it's the same gospel. I mean, I remember my mom watching on a little television in our kitchen when I was growing up, and it was this like Billy Graham crusade in Russia, I think. And, you know, he just shared this simple message. I mean, I think our local pastor in North Dakota was maybe a better preacher, you know? He just presented it. And, and my mom, I remember her just audibly saying, you have to give him more than that. And then he gave the invitation, the call to faith, and people sprinted to the altar. And one story, you know, I spent a lot of time with the Graham team and, and got time, you know, with Billy Graham himself and 
Billy or, or Dr. Graham used to say, you know, somebody came up to him and said, you know, uh, Dr. Graham, I heard you tonight and you gave the same message you gave 20 years ago. And they were saying it in like a condescending fashion. Huh. And Billy said, that's the greatest compliment I've ever received. I only have one message to give, <laughs> you know? And, and yeah. so it's just like, I just think in all of our uh, human thinking and ideas and wisdom, we think it has to be uh, something more. When in reality, like the Bible says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. They were created to know God. Nothing will satisfy. And it is the simple gospel proclamation. And, you know, it's interesting you even bring up like tactics in evangelism or people not knowing what to say. I've actually begun to think that the greatest thing and the greatest void when it comes to evangelism has nothing to do with what we say or being able to face the, the tough questions. I think it has everything to do with whether we have time to actually listen to the people around us. Because I think most of us are so busy that we don't even have time for people. But if you just listen, you hear things in their life and in their heart, and it is just a wide open door for Jesus. You know, John Tyson, pastor in New York, would often talk about evangelism, that there's two moments that people are really open to these bigger questions and getting answers and getting input and not just assuming they've got it all figured out. One is in personal tragedy or crisis, and then it's when something global happens, something that's like a natural disaster, something that's clearly out of their control, which I think is what, is what we all understand is happening right now. And then Tim Keller, who's also in New York, I remember him describing after 9-11 how very quickly after 9-11, People went back to normal. It was like 60 days. They thought the churches would be full forever. They thought people were going to rush in, and they did for a season. But then very quickly, people just went back into life. In this pandemic moment, it does feel like it's extending on. It does feel like this is much longer than the 9-11 moment in terms of people still having to wrestle with something, and it's, and it's not going to end anytime soon. So as we think about you know how to encourage people in this moment, to have spiritual conversations, what would you say to somebody listening who's like, I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm, I'm spending time with people who don't know Jesus. I'm still a little intimidated about this. I've got maybe more time to listen. What are you listening for? When, when you're having those conversations, what are you listening for? Generally, what are you sensing when you feel, for you, Nick, when you're in those conversations, when is it that you just know the Spirit of God's like, you move in right now, like you've got to be bold and share truth with this person? Yeah, well, the first thing I'll always tell people is like, you have to be praying for opportunities. Opportunities don't come. And if you're not praying for it, like you're not going to see it. But the, what we're talking about is like an eternal transaction that God has to do. But if I just pray, God, would you give me opportunities to love people? And would you give me opportunities to talk about Jesus? I just find that those are prayers that God delights to answer because he loves it when we talk about his son. And he loves it when we love people who are made in his image that were made to know him, right? And so when I'm praying that way, like then my eyes are open, my ears are open, and I'm looking for people around me. A good example, last week I was, we had a team event. I had a young man I was, I kind of mentor. He was in town. We were going uh, to meet after we had this team building moment. And I just saw this man on a, on a picnic table alone. It was kind of an elderly man and just sitting there. And I just felt this kind of prompting, like you should go talk to that guy. And I know some people listening to this, you're, you're maybe never going to go up to a stranger, but this, the, the same principles hold true, even in your, your regular conversation with your friends. But for me, it's like, I've just started to get into this rhythm where it's like, man, I want God to tell me to do things. 
And I, I tell people faith is a muscle. You have to work it out. You don't just like all of a sudden become strong. You have to start doing some push-ups or jumping jacks or arm curls, right? And so it's like, I want to exercise this muscle of listening to God's voice and trying to respond. And so I find myself talking to this man. His name was Glenn. Uh, he was uh, 79 years old. And we just start talking. And I'm just asking him questions about his life. It turns to a conversation about, you know, the pandemic, which is just, again, it, when you start to talk about things that are triggering on people's like pain or fear, you're getting to something that's like at their heart. And then at that moment, like, it's pretty easy for me to say, man, like, do you find yourself praying more in this time? Or has this made you question any things about faith or God? And, and not because it was a tactic, but it was so obvious that he was at this place of like fear. Here he is, like a vulnerable person, a vulnerable population. You know, I'm, I'm like 10 feet from him and talking to him, trying to honor and respect him. But at the same time, like I can just feel his loneliness. And Glenn actually, like I would say he had a relationship with God, but I was able to enter into this moment with him where I prayed for him. And it just turned into this like normal moment that all of a sudden became divine and became really beautiful just because there was like a focus on listening a focus on caring, a focus on like, there's things that I wish people would say to me. I'm not trying to like go and shove things at people, but I do want people to know that they're loved. And I do want people to know that God sees them. And I think those are the things that a hurting world desperately needs to hear and know is that we see them, that God sees them, and that he does want a relationship with them. He does welcome them in. So one of the things, Nick, I know you're passionate about is people just being in the Word of God, and I am too. And I think, as you know, when we look at the data, biblical literacy, engagement in Scripture is, is just dropping so significantly. And the younger you go, the, the more you see that. And yet you've doubled down on that. I mean, you've been one that's just said, we have to be in the Word. This has to be part of our daily life, uh, whether you're reading it on your phone or you're reading an older, you know, leather-bound Bible like I read the point is we need to be in the word. And I want you to share a little more about that passion. You've said for the next generation, this is critical. Like this is mission critical to your life. And I want to know where that's coming from. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's come from my own journey. And I think that's the thing that a lot of times people don't realize about leaders of things. I mean, I would even say, Gabe, for you with Q, like it's an extension of who you are, just this kind of curiosity and conversation and you know, and just bringing back some intrigue and, and, and having some basis for conversations that wouldn't be inconsistent with your life. So for me, I have had a lifelong battle with loving the Bible. I am a doer, uh, not a reader. I want to watch the movie. <laughs> you yeah, know, I want, right. I want the cliff notes. I have a lot of friends that tell me the book is so much better. I don't have time to know if they're right. You know, yeah, <laughs> like right. I, I went to seminary. And so it's like, if it's a forced discipline, I can do it. And the same is true then in my spiritual life. It's like seven, eight years ago, I came to this like inconvenient conclusion that I didn't love the Bible. And that's kind of tough when you're like a full-time minister and evangelist whose job is to preach the Bible. Like, and it was just like, man, I know the Bible. I can quote the Bible. I've been in the Bible my whole life, but man, if I have to choose what I'm going to do for encouragement or something at a free moment, the Bible is not the first thing I go to. It's maybe not even top 10. Uh, there's a lot of things I'd rather do than pick up my Bible. And I, you know, just started to kind of pray like, God, would you turn my heart? Like, I know what the Bible does. I know that it changes a life. 
and it literally just started to change me, you know, like th- this, this relationship, I started to find incredible tools that helped me love the Bible more. I started to find uh, resources, you know, even I love to talk about this uh, hip hop spoken word Bible called Streetlights. And I just love Streetlights. And then I, you know, started to watch some of the early videos from the Bible project. And I'm like, this is insane, you know, and so it's like, it brought about this kind of like romance or this like relationship with the word of God, which it's not about a book. I don't want to love the Bible to love a book. I want to love the Bible because I want to love God. And then that also relates to my calling as an evangelist. Cause it's like, I can tell people till I'm blue in the face to share their faith, but it's really hard to share something that you don't love and that you're not engaged with yourself. I'm asking people to share something that they don't read or that they don't know. And so I just think of it as, man, this is like the one thing that changes everything. And then when you start to have this like eye opening, then you're like, man, there is like a a famine of the word of God in our land. And that famine, unfortunately, starts in our churches. Typical successful big church in America, one or two verses of scripture in a 60 minute service. Even in the service where people are going to get their religious food, we are modeling that the Bible isn't a priority. And so this is something that I think is such an urgent thing. We've just started to call people together to bring together an alliance of groups that are awesome at biblical resources and tools, and then just trying to start a campaign of like, man, let's just talk about scripture. Let's preach more scripture. And I want to be really clear in saying this, like, I am not saying this trying to be like super critical or jaded or mean. I'm saying this as like, this has happened to me. In learning how to preach, I was taught how to preach in like, you take a couple verses, then you have your points, then you have your illustration. But I'm just like, there's actually been times in my preaching where I'll be trying to read an extended passage of scripture and I'll hear a voice in my head that says, this is too much Bible. And like, I'm pretty sure that's not the Holy Spirit telling me to silence the one part of this message that God promises will not return void. Right, right. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, and part of what you've encouraged people to do, you started the Year of the Bible project, right? Yearofthebible.com, where people can read through that. And you started at the beginning of this year, which now looking back, I mean, how providential was that, that your team was going, let's get people in the Word in 2020. Let's start the year and start to read through it this year. But can people jump in on that if they wanted to right now? Yeah, so Year of the Bible, we'll describe it as, if I was to define what is Year of the Bible, I would say the Year of the Bible is the year in a person's life when the Bible becomes foundational for every part of their life. So it's something that launched in 2020. For a lot of churches and groups, they've declared 2020 as the Year of the Bible. I think we're now over 190 uh, nations that are somehow connected and involved in this campaign. And that takes on obviously varying forms. But in the U.S. alone, we've seen like 25 million people uh, engaging in new plans, just trying to love the Bible, trying to understand the Bible. And that's everything from like people who have never read the Bible before to somebody like me who I've read the Bible my whole life, but I have never in a calendar year gone from cover to cover in the Bible. I just get ADD. I started, I try to, and then that Christian shame comes in, tells me I'm not a good Christian. This is proof. And so like, I'm going through the whole Bible this year, right? Like right now I'm in uh, Jeremiah and uh, I'm in a chronological uh, Bible and it's been awesome. So year of the Bible.com, 
people can uh, start their year whenever you listen to it. Your year can start today. Churches can go on and grab resources, sermon outlines. But the whole goal of it is just to connect people with tools and resources to help them love the Word of God. And our hope is that it, you know, it's going to live far beyond 2020, but it is just kind of a framework for people to prioritize Scripture uh, for a year and uh, everything from the individual to a, uh, a Christian college to a local church or a denomination, there's tools at every level. I remember reading in Screw Tape Letters with C.S. Lewis, I mean, how the enemy's goal is to distract, right? It's to keep us out of the word. It's This is where the power comes from. Anything we can do is like you said, you know, 10 times a day, you're like, I should be reading the word, but am I doing it? I know what's been helpful for me this last year is leading a, a group of men and discipling them. And the power of having to prepare for that, of going through scripture together, of processing what we're learning, what is the spirit of God saying to us through this? I'd say for all of us, it's just been transformative because it's forced us into the word more on a daily basis. And it's helped us go deeper, not just into listening to the word, but also how are we doing it? And uh, so I would encourage anybody listening, if if you're feeling like you're in that rut and you just haven't read the Bible, you know, you know, you're supposed to and should, it would be good for you. But maybe you're, you're in that season where you're just like, I don't know, I'm not that motivated. You're probably never going to just get motivated. You literally have to just decide, I'm going to, I'm going to read a couple verses today. I'm just going to open this up for five minutes and just ask God to reveal something to me. And I have found what starts to happen is the spirit of God just keeps pulling you in. There's a hunger that starts to develop for the word of God. And it's no longer a chore. It's actually a full on enjoyment and you don't have to be legalistic about it. I know you're describing, Nick, reading through it every day and reading through the whole Bible in a year. Um, that's overwhelming, right, for some people. But God just wants us to get in the Word and to just be experiencing all that He has for us there. Well, Nick, I'm I'm so grateful for you being a part of Q this year, for all that you're doing. And, and in closing, tell us just a little bit more about some of the things you are doing. I mean, you've you've been hosting major events for the last several years. The event world is kind of stopped right now. So So I know a lot of what you've we're doing has started to shift a little bit. But as you look at the year ahead, what, what are some of the ways you're spending your time? How are you looking uh, at the coming year as you try to map out all the ways you're trying to, to advance kingdom work? Yeah, absolutely, Gabe. I mean, it's been a, an incredible time, you know, to pivot. And I think that's kind of been like a theme word for a lot of us in the ministry world is like, man, how uh, agile and adaptable are we? Uh, in terms of responding to the need of the moment. In our world, that means just digital simulcast, digital resources, digital content. You know, we have a bunch of simulcast events uh, that we're doing. We have uh, two very big ones happening um, in October and uh, kind of leading up to the election. One is uh, called Emerging Leader Check-In. It's going to have, uh, you know, everybody from Emmanuel Acho and Carl Lenz to Sadie Robertson and a number of emerging uh, voices and social influencers. The other one is uh, really a together simulcast. You know, we had planned on being on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial because of uh, restrictions from the mayor and everything else. And so that'll be a mix of music and content, but both are really tackling the issue of race and uh, injustice and just where does the gospel fit into this. And, you know, we just really believe in, you know, sharing Jesus and calling people to the only solution, the only answer, which is Jesus. And so that's what we're hoping to do and planning for. And, uh, and, and those type of things will continue through the end of the year and into 2021. 
Yeah, man. Well, that's great. Well, we're going to be praying for you and all those events and simulcast and just that more and more people hear truth. I think they are hungry for it. I think this fall, this is the time and you're moving forward. You're advancing. You're not letting COVID kind of stop you from proclaiming the word of God and continuing to feed and nurture people. That's what so many of us need right now. So Nick, thank you for your faithfulness. Thanks for all that you're doing. Excited that um, we got to talk today and I hope you have a wonderful week. Hey, thanks so much, Gabe. Bless you guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Nick and that conversation. I want to encourage you to go to yearofthebible.com. It's the place where you can learn so much more about how the Bible can just become a more rich part of your experience on the daily life. And we can be just sure we're being absorbed in truth. That's what we want. That's what we want for everybody listening to this. There's so many ideas coming at us. There's so much. How do you know what's true? Well, you get into the Word of God. And when you do that, you start to discern right from wrong really simply. It, it actually just starts to happen. The Spirit of God moves and the Word of God is constantly active. So it's going to help you do that. As we wrap up this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, we want to invite you to the Q Ideas website for something special we did earlier this month, a a special two-hour Q session called Church and State, Government Restrictions or Biblical Convictions. And although it was a live event, the video is still available on the Q Media platform. Gabe, how can people watch it? By going to qideas.org slash state or being one of our Q Media Church subscribers. We have so many churches that now make Q Media a source and a resource, not only for them as a leadership team, but for their small group leaders, for all those throughout their church who are trying to disciple and lead conversations around what it means to navigate faithfully this current cultural moment. And there couldn't be something more urgent for so many church leaders today than to understand, should we be meeting? Should we not be meeting? How should we do it if we do meet? What does it mean if I'm going against an ordinance for my city? Or what if the governor has told me I shouldn't meet? What does it mean to civilly disobey? Is that even smart? Is that wise? Is that godly? And that's definitely been a sticking point here in America amid the pandemic. And Gabe, you talked with people from a variety of viewpoints, like pastors Andy Stanley, John MacArthur, and Ephraim Smith. You also spoke to Christian Wagner from the Alliance Defending Freedom, social critic Oz Guinness, Sam Rodriguez of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, scholar John Anazu, and more. Again, all the details at qideas.org slash state. Thanks again for listening this week to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. I'm Paul Perot. Gabe and I wish you a good week. This show is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.